My next guest has been the mayor of Toronto since 2014. He's had a full career, both in the private sector and in the public sector, in provincial politics and, of course, in municipal realm. And coincidentally enough, in the radio world as well, Mayor John Tory, thank you for joining me today. Good morning. I feel like you can probably give me some tips on hosting a radio show. It's my, it's my it, first radio show today, John. Oh, okay, because I was just going to say, I remember my first day and I was so, when I say scared, I was scared. I mean, you, you got to be honest about this. Yeah. It was something I had never done before. And for people who are listening, uh, it's a bit of an artificial experience because you're sitting in a room by yourself talking to people you can't see. And um, they told me, and I guess you already know this, that the only thing that can't happen is you can't run out of things to say. Because you, you can't sort of say, well, the show is over. I'm leaving. I run out of things to say. Yeah. So you have to sort of keep talking. But I did. I ended up doing it for five years, and I had a really good time doing it, mostly because you got to talk to people right. and hear what they had to say, and it was really great. Yeah. Well, uh, thankfully, I'm in the room with somebody else. Jody's here as well, so I'm not here by myself, but I hear you. You have to keep talking and talking and talking. You know, when I was asked uh, about hosting this show, I really wanted to have a segment where um, – I could just have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people who make up this city. And you were the first person that came to mind, John. So thank you for uh, being my first big guest on the show. It's my pleasure. What do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, first of all, I want to know what is your favorite spot in Toronto? Oh, you know, it's funny. Over the years, I've been asked that question many, many, many times. Yeah. And I still have to say... Uh, it was the Riverdale farm. And that's because I have such oh. pleasant memories of taking my kids there, there when they were little and now my grandchildren. And it's just such a blessed little place. And it's, it's right in the center. It used to be for Toronto people who don't know this, but I've lived my whole life here. It used to be the Toronto zoo. Um, it was the Toronto zoo. And uh, there's still some of the pavilions left where they kept the animals. It's hard to imagine that the um, kind of very small confined spaces that they have there, you know, where they literally kept lions and tigers. But having said that, it was the zoo. But now it's this charming little farm. And if you take somebody there, I'd say the, the perfect age to take somebody is like four or five or six. Yep. And they have a cow or maybe two cows. They have a horse. He they said, have pig. They yep. have geese. They have chickens, roosters, you know. And, and kids just find it totally mesmerizing. And the place is full of kids, which I also like. So mm. that's that, I would have to say that is my favorite spot just because I, I have so many fond memories of being there. There are many, many, many others. Yeah. But uh, I just I love that. Yeah, I remember gr growing up going to Riverdale Farm very often, had fond memories there as well. What does your Saturday morning look like? You are one busy guy. You know, I see a, you know, a million and one events during the week and on weekends as well. Do you have time to yourself? What does your Saturday morning look like? Well, no, and I'm not complaining about this, but yeah. I mean, this Saturday morning is a perfect example. Yeah. I'm doing this interview with you, and then I'm going to the Etobicoke Santa Claus Parade. It's not very good weather for it, but I'm going to the Etobicoke Santa Claus Parade, and then from there to a skate that's happening at Colonel Sam Smith Park. There's a wonderful skating trail there, if, again, if people haven't tried it. It's down in the very south part of Etobicoke next door to uh, the Humber College uh, Lakeshore Campus, and it's a trail that kind of winds through the bushes. Uh, a skating trail and it's artificial so it will be open today but it's not going to be much of a day for it and then I go I forget I go on to some various events after that so my Saturday mornings and Saturday afternoons are like well they're, they're different than weekdays because the weekend days are pretty much confined to going to events uh, as opposed to the, the kinds of business meetings I'd be in uh, during the week but that's what I do on Saturday and Sunday as I go to events so tomorrow is the Riverdale Share concert which is a wonderful musical event it's always sold out so you can't even get a ticket but it's local a talent uh, that performs and by local I mean people who have grown up in Riverdale but have achieved great success in music but also people who are genuine you know kind of local talent so it, it, this is where I get the greatest joy out of this job is uh, the actual chance to sort of be with people and meet people and hear their stories and 
just have a chance to kind of touch base with them. And uh, so I enjoy those events and being with people, but that's, that, those are my weekend days. Yeah. The diversity of all that our city has to offer. As, as you think about um, just your leadership and what you've done in, in your lifetime, what do you give yourself a hard time about most? Oh, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I ask a lot of questions. So in that sense, I can be, uh, you know, I can be a pain as a leader, um, you know, but I try also to, uh, you know, by asking questions, I'm trying to engage the people that I'm working with. So I, I, I sometimes give myself a hard time about, about that. I can be uh, impatient about small things. You know, the big issues, uh, when we had the pandemic, I was very calm about that, I think, and, you know, tried to do the right thing for the city. But uh, sometimes if I'm, you know, running 10 minutes late for an event, I get impatient about that sort of thing. So that can be a problem from time to time. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, these are the hard questions to ask of yourself. It's sometimes easier to ask other people what I should be giving myself a hard time about. So yeah, and you don't know me well enough to know the answer to that. So yeah, sorry. But I, I mean, I can tell you what I give myself a hard time about. I have a laundry list of things. Uh, lessons in leadership. I mean, you've been in leadership uh, provincially, municipally for a, a long time. What are some lessons that you've learned about being a good leader? Well, I mean, I, I ran a big company too, which may be yeah, the place absolutely. I learned most. Although I've, 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 I've learned a lot sort of leading a government. I think it's just to, to reach out and include uh, other people and to treat everybody with respect. And that sounds like a kind of a trite thing to say, but it's just true. I mean, there are so many people who feel disrespected because they're not the leader of an organization and they don't feel like the leadership of the organization listens to them or takes into account what they're doing. And I just think that if you treat the people you're working with respectfully, if you listen to them, you're going to gain a lot in terms of being a better leader because, you know, the people who run a big company or who run a government, they know more about what goes on in that company or that government than the leader does. Uh, you know, they just do. I mean, it's one of those things where I say all the time because it's just true and you have to think about it, though. Nobody can do anything by themselves. There's no way you can run a big organization or, you know, there's virtually nothing you can do by yourself. You require other people to help you and, and to, you know, advise you and fill in information you don't know. So I just think that is the single most important thing, um, you know, is, is to make sure you don't try to do it yourself because you will fail. Uh, you know, you will not do as good a job as working with other people. And I think that's, uh, that's a great lesson anywhere you go. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest misconception about John Tory? Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I think people think that I'm, uh, you know, sort of incredibly serious, but uh, I, I'm, I actually love to have fun. Really? Um, but what do you do well, to I, have fun, John? Well, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. It goes all, well, I mean, I, I, I play sports like other people do. I, I spend time you know, with family and so on. I love, I love to be out with others, you know, socializing. I don't have as much time for that. Um, but the other kinds of things I like to do are sort of quasi-practical jokes. I'll give you an example. I mean, I went to get my fourth uh, vaccination a couple of weeks ago, and Dr. Devilla, our wonderful medical officer of health, she's uh, such a caring person. She called me at 10 o'clock that night and asked if I was okay, because, you know, you sometimes have side effects, which I didn't. Right. But I decided I'd have some fun with her, and I went to the internet and got a picture of a hugely swollen arm and sent it to her and said, is my arm supposed to look like this? And... Uh, she she wrote me back and said, "Does it really look like that?" And I said, and then I wrote back and said, "No, it doesn't." But I, I wanted to make sure you asked. And you know, there's things like that I will do all the time. And and uh, you know, just trying to sort of uh, you know make people smile. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, you know that. So I think that there's a great misconception about that because look, most of the time when people see me on TV, it's answering a serious question about a serious issue, and a lot of them are very serious. Yeah. And you know, so they think that's just who you are. And I think when they actually get a chance to sort of meet you and spend some time with you, they realize you're a human being like everybody else and you laugh and you smile and you are sad and you, you know, you have emotions because people see me in that very artificial setting where 
I'm answering questions, uh, you know, and it's a little tiny 30 second clip and they don't really get a chance to. That's the great thing, by the way, about talk radio. Yeah. I mean, talk radio, when I did the show for five years, people got a real chance, as they will with you, to get to know who you are because you're on there talking about every single subject imaginable. You're reacting to things they say, you're laughing, you're sad. You know, people can't see you, but they can feel you through the radio. It's a, a marvelous medium that way. It's very intimate. Well, I, I also think, yeah, I agree. And I mean, this is the reason why I wanted to do this segment is to kind of peel back the layers because you're right. I mean, every time we see you on the evening news, it is a serious topic. So I love hearing that you uh, you, you do practical jokes on Dr. Davila. That's that's awesome. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <Before> the <merrier. laughs> What keeps you up at night? Oh, that's an easy one. I mean, I, I am sort of I'm kept up by homelessness. I'm kept up by gun violence. Uh, I'm kept up by, you know, sort of uh, intractable poverty. I mean, these are the things you do worry about. I feel like I'm sort of responsible, which I am. I mean, for three million people in the city, but I feel responsible more, more so than just through a title that I have. Um, you know, when I hear of a uh, somebody losing their life uh, to gun violence overnight when I get up first thing in the morning, I feel a, a personal sense of loss and responsibility about that. I mean, you can't help but to feel that because those are the same people that I meet when I'm out on weekends, you know, as I was describing to you. And so that, that is what keeps you awake um, is, is just trying to think if there's anything more you could do because those kinds of problems uh, don't have a simple answer. You know, there are people out there who will suggest they do, and they are misleading the public. Because, and, and the public understands that gun violence or homelessness, these are not things where there's some answer. I mean, think about it. If there was an easy answer to homelessness, I would have adopted it by now and implemented it. You know, there isn't one. It's a very complicated subject that has to do with mental health and, uh, and substance issues and, uh, you know, just a whole lot of things that combine to uh, make it a very, very difficult issue. And it does keep you up because you're always just thinking, is there something more I could be doing? Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more with uh, the Toronto Mayor, John Tory. Stick with us, John. We'll, we'll be right back with you. John Tory's very secretive, and I would even describe deceitful, uh, request to Doug Ford for a minority rule power, which means that he and uh, only eight councillors, a third of council, can make a decision for the entire legislative body. It's just absurd. And it's wrong and it should worry anyone in Canada uh, who cares about the basic tenets of our democracy. John, your thoughts on that, what Josh had to say there. Well, Josh Matlow seems to be big these days on calling people names and uh, various adjectives, which I could do. And I, I just don't do that sort of thing. Um, look, my, my approach to leading the city is not going to change. I've been eight years in this job. Uh, people know who I am. They trust me. Uh, and I'm going to uh, attempt to lead the city uh, in, in the collaborative manner that I have for eight years. And it doesn't really, you know, the law, um, it could change 10 times during that, that period of time. And the type of approach that I mentioned to you earlier on, we weren't even talking about this and just said about working with other people. And that includes in particular, the members of city council. And, uh, you know, I have also said in respect of the specific uh, authorities that uh, the law talks about that uh, I will, uh, only ever even contemplate exercising that uh, within the context of um, uh, citywide housing or transit matters, because I think we have an urgent housing crisis. And if there came to be a sort of roadblock there that was insurmountable, I've also said I would not contemplate exercising any of those authorities without a full staff report, which comes from our objective professional public servants, and they'll state their views on this, regardless of what I'm doing. And uh, finally, that I would not do it before I'd taken the whole thing through the city council. And so... I tried to do that. So, 
you know, again, uh, Councillor Matlow is a huge grandstander. Uh, there isn't a microphone he doesn't like, and he, uh, you know, he. So, uh, you know, I just think that uh, I, I have to go forward and uh, be responsible, uh, be the person that people have trusted with a sweeping uh, mandate across the city. Um, I, I don't say this immodestly, but I just point out uh, I got more votes in the election just passed than all of the other councillors put together. And there is a time uh, when uh, the mayor, who is the only person elected right across the city, has to make sure that uh, when it comes to moving us forward on the big issues that we're not obstructed. And again, I'll do that by collaboration and through strong leadership, as I've done for eight years. But I think that uh, the kinds of things and the kind of name calling uh, Mr. Matlow engages in is, uh, you know, is way over the top. But John, do you think that maybe you should have shared that you had had these conversations with Premier Ford during the election? Actually, the truth of the matter is, I didn't have any conversations with him about this. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, there were Did you people. Have any conversations the, with anybody that was no, part of no, this I government? actually didn't. There okay. were people at the staff level who were having those conversations, including people from my office. So I could see that. But you know what? Nothing was agreed to. So what are you supposed to do? Am I supposed to put out a diary every day of every conversation I have with everybody and everything? I mean, at the end of the day, I know this is an important matter. I'm not trying to diminish it, but I'm just saying there were discussions going on uh, during the election and after. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I have discussions with uh, the people in the other governments every single day about very important matters. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of success in dealing with them on different things. Last night, uh, you know, news broke that you have exercised your strong mayoral power by hiring Paul Johnson as city, ma uh, city manager. Uh, do you see why some people would be concerned that this decision was made and maybe not brought through council? Well, no, yes and no. I understand why, based on the past comparison, they might. But I guess when I say no, I don't understand why people are concerned about that. I am described in the law as the chief executive officer of the city. Yep. Anybody out there listening who has been or is a chief executive officer will know that one of the things that you would have, uh, you know, the, the normal, the, the, the authority to do as chief executive officer is to appoint the person that's effectively the 2IC, the person that's the, like the chief operating officer. That's what the city manager is. In this case, I could have just appointed him. But instead, what we did is we had a process, uh, which included, by the way, three other members of city council interviewing all the candidates. Uh, and then in the end, rather than bring it forward for some kind of a debate, I used the, uh, the, the uh, authority given to me in the law to appoint him. And he, he's been a deputy city manager. It's not as if he's completely unknown. And uh, so I, I, I don't, I actually don't get upset or worried about that. And I, I can just assure people, and I can assure you, I will not be doing anything that will cause people to think that I'm, you know, some kind of autocratic or, or I'm, I just, it's not in my nature. It's not how I lead. It's not how I've ever led any organization I've led, including the city for the last eight years. And, but, but the bottom line is, the fact that I appointed the person who's effectively the chief operating officer when I'm the chief executive officer, I'll ask you a question. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I can't do something like appoint the city manager, is it fair that I should be asked about every single problem? I mean, you know who they ask the questions of when it is on homelessness or on gun violence or on, uh, you know, uh, traffic or uh, you name it. I mean, I get asked the question as if I have all the answers and I am the only person elected citywide. But I can tell you many, many of the things I'm asked about uh, are within the power of the council to deal with, not me, no matter what uh, things are written down in legislation. But I don't complain about that. I answer those questions on behalf of everybody. Uh, and I take my fair share, more than, way more than my fair share of accountability for that. So yeah, I, I think this will all work out. And I think you'll find that, uh, you know, six months from now, we won't even be talking about this, mostly because I won't be using these authorities uh, for anything except 
I'll use them for appointments like the one of the city manager, Paul Johnson, who's an excellent person, but I will always proceed that with some kind of a process so people know that we didn't just pick somebody out of the, the phone book. We don't even have phone books anymore, but out of the phone book uh, to do these jobs. I would never do that. I'm, I'm way too responsible to do that, and I'm accountable for those choices. Yeah. I have to ask you really quickly, though, John, if you weren't the mayor, would you be concerned about these powers? Well, no, I wouldn't be because okay. I, I would say because because there's accountability involved here. I'm accountable to the people. They see the very fact that I'm sitting here talking to you about it. I mean, I, I, I ask questions and people have the right. And, I, and by the way, I stood there yesterday. Uh, I, I stand every day and the media will have to tell you this is true. I'll take as many questions as they want to ask me. I don't say two questions and you have to leave. I don't make people get in the lineup. I don't make people go on a list. Um, I answer people's questions. And I, during the pandemic, I was available to people every single day during that emergency when we were doing, you know, extraordinary things in the city that upset people's lives. And I held myself accountable and I do on all of these things. And so uh, if I was not the mayor, I wouldn't be worried about it because I'd be saying this person's accountable to me and accountable to the media and accountable to uh, the council because I meet the council all the time, too. And they have the right to ask me questions and they do. Well, thank you for answering my questions today. I really appreciate you being on the show. My first show. Thank you so much, John. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me on. Good luck with the show. Thanks again. That was Mayor of Toronto, John Tory. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto.